0: Our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing, and share their stories via outstanding content. Hello team, and welcome back to the Make an Impact show. Today we are going to talk about screens. Hello Amy, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? I am doing fantabulous, especially since I am looking at a screen right now, but there's your lovely face there, so... I think we can work with that. But I am really excited to be introducing everyone to my lovely friend Becca, who is also an author and the writer of a book that we're going to introduce you to today called Screen Time. And uh, this book actually is going to be part of our book club in the collective for the next two months. So starting in April. And we're also going to have a chat with the lovely Becca about it in the collective. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited to be talking about our relationship with our screens. So, I'm going to ask you now before we jump into Becca's chat about your relationship with your screens and you're already widening your eyes in a really really <laughs> interesting way so what does that mean?
1: Well I think I don't know I think a lot of our relationship with screens has changed drastically throughout lockdown as well we're now um, a lot of it working from home is all on a screen um, but then when it comes to my phone I try to put in good habit I don't have the kind of Apple um, screen time reminders, or anything like that. But I try to switch off by a certain time, but I am quite bad. I do reach for it in the morning. I do check in the morning. I do check throughout the day. I have notifications switched off, which I think is a really important thing for me. So my phone never flashes. It never beeps at me. So I actively choose to go on my phone. But I mean, a lot of my work is online, so I can't avoid it. But I guess it's just putting in like putting into play kind of barriers and practices to I don't know protect yourself really isn't it
0: and I love what you mentioned there because it's exactly what the actual book talks about when it comes to screen time and Becca is is an author but she's also a freelance journalist and she talks a lot about tech in different ways so she's a geek at heart which again from the podcast you will catch a bit and I think that's a magical thing about you know, that realization of putting the barriers and boundaries is that because we live day to day with this tech, it is not about demonizing it, it is not about being unrealistic about the fact that we cannot look at our screens the whole day, every day, because a lot of us have to for work, but also for pleasure, and that is okay. So, what I love about my conversation with her, I'm obviously, hoping to inspire you all is that we can have a good relationship with our tech and our screens without having to go to a retreat, become monks, and then just live with a mountain goat called Jerry. I think that's like one of the big things as well. Would you say that maybe, I'm just going to ask you because I'm curious, would you say that for yourself, your one of your best practices or little things that you have implemented has been, been putting notifications off? Or is there something else that really has helped you? Again, reframe is slightly the relationship that you have with your devices. Yeah,
1: I think for sure for me the biggest thing has been switching notifications off. So at first it was just switching them off on Instagram, but now I just have my phone in oh gosh in nighttime mode, that's it. I have it in nighttime mode all the time. So although now um if I touch my phone screen it will light up and I'll see that I have a couple of messages on Instagram, for example. But I like I switched off likes. I think I have comments on and messages on, for example, but it doesn't ping at me. So yeah, that's definitely nighttime mode is my saviour. It means I miss his phone I do miss phone calls. But if people really want me, they'll phone again and then it will come through. But that's just been a huge thing for me.
0: I'm actually you talked about screen times so and the fact that you don't have it on. There's actually been what has helped me in the past. I don't have it on currently because I'm actually much better now that I got into the practice but just having that is like a five second block because it doesn't allow you to get into the apps straight away at that time that you set for yourself and that is just helped me becoming less mindless about it and almost going there on autopilot and ask myself the question do I really need to click on Instagram right now is this really the place that I need to be so that would be for me a really good practice for people that are struggling to just bringing a bit of mindfulness into what they're doing the other thing that I did for me was going right on and deleting my email app I haven't had my email app on my phone for the past year now and my emails have survived people have survived it just helped me ingraining into myself boundaries as well as others that I don't have my phone emails on the go and that is okay and I'll get back to them when I can and when I need to and I think that's been a big thing for me
1: yeah I think that's really important because um, I sometimes do send quite a few emails on a Sunday it's where I catch up um, I send off my brand work things like that so my work outside of Creative Impact I do a lot on a Sunday and people reply to me on a Sunday and it's ridiculous like I know I'm on my emails but you shouldn't be um, I'm sending this to you ready for Monday morning but it's surprising but after that I won't reply again on a Sunday I'll do what I need to do but anything else it can wait till Monday and I think it's realizing and appreciating that you need that time off and the world is not going to end if you don't respond to that email until tomorrow because you know we need those barriers that the working week and working times and yeah just it's okay to not reply straight away
0: amen to that mm-hmm. and we'll give you a couple of things to think about kids so that's already a good starting point but once again We're going to give you more right now because I'm going to introduce you to my lovely chat with the ever so lovely Becca. She's going to talk about screen time. She's going to talk to us about the book itself. She's also going to talk to us about understanding the research and what she has learned by actually looking into our relationship with our devices. So without further ado, I hope you're going to love this. Make sure that you check out the book as well and you get your copy. And if you are a member of the collective, well, first of all, lucky you if not, to go to creativeimpact.group slash collective to know more about it, because in April, this is going to be our book of the month, and it's going to be part of our book club. Hello, everyone, and hello, Becca, how are you doing, my dear?
2: Hello, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I feel like January lasted forever <laughs> but now I feel a little bit brighter yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean I would feel very bright if I were you because I'm gonna now share this to the world because the world needs to know that so if you look at the cover of Becca's book you see a little <laughs> bit about hue gradient and literally her light behind her which you can't see unless you're watching some of the snippets has got that light gradient so she's literally branding the whole room with the book colors so Take that January, we're bringing <laughs> back warm sun, fun colors. That's what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, I am so, yeah, I am so glad you noticed. I had a lot <laughs> of fun setting that up because there's a smart bulb on one side of the room and then another one on the other side of the room. So it's like, let's just do it. Let's just go pink and yellow. Yeah, I love it. I love it. You know
0: what? I, I believe in fully embodying the branding sometimes. It just kind of makes me feel a bit more motivated and focused. Yeah. Well, yeah. Aside from that, again, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to warm us up a bit. Mm-hmm. figuratively literally, I guess uh, <laughs> asking you three questions to start off just to set us just to set the scene for us, and then we're gonna jump on with the rest. righty. Here we go. Becca, what is the first job that you ever had, and what did you learn from it?
2: The first job I ever had. You know what? I was one of those people that um I wanted to start work really as soon as I was allowed. So if we're talking like first first I worked in um a cafe so I'm from I'm from Yorkshire and a little town called Scarborough which is just the whole industry is just basically tourism so during the summer it's just all cafes and hotels and things like that. So I had so many little summer jobs doing things like changing beds and making coffees and things like that. And so at one of my first jobs in a cafe This will sound a bit strange. I think I just learned how adults talk more because at that point I was about 14 and I just felt like it was it was just such a different world and a different way of communicating. And I think it just taught me a lot about it just taught me to grow up a bit, I think, and that how people talk at school wasn't how everyone talks in the real world. So, yeah, I'm surprised that's my answer to that question. But, yeah, it was an insight into an adult world that I didn't know much about.
1: Um, I love that.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, and I understand. I can understand that because obviously, especially I think when you think about these type of jobs, a lot of the time you are the receiver as well. You kind of hear the conversations, mm. you know, you are exposed to a lot of people instead of potentially kind of doing something more by yourself. Yeah. So it is interesting. That's that, that's awesome and very, very insightful as well. <laughs> Thank you. Second question might be a bit faster, might a bit like more you got something in your head. And mm. it's kind of like what is the best investment? And it could be something. And if it is something, then anything, a hundred pounds or less. If not, it could be something you did that you made in the last six months. So what's the best investment you made in the last six months? Either an object, hundred pounds or less, or maybe just something you did or something you changed or whatever. It's actually quite funny.
2: It's getting more of the smart light bulbs. So I I always had like a little set of them to, to change the color in this main room. But I found putting them where I work it is, just makes a huge difference. So getting another one of those because, you know, turning the light up really bright to be productive, turning it down on a night and then just changing my whole mood with the light. So I'm going to go with that, the smart smart light bulb.
0: When did you get just out of curiosity? When, where did you get them from? Is it kind of like one of the ones you can find anywhere or is there specific ones?
2: Yeah, so, okay, I'm cheating a bit here because we did already have the Philips Hue Bridge, which you need to get it going. But I had that kind of, just on the other side of the room and then it's the one that I got here with the lamp and all of that that is the is the one that's made the big
0: difference but yeah it's Philip's hue so from anywhere really yeah awesome I, I do like these things that we talk actually in the last couple of months I think because we recorded a lot of these episodes like right now we're recording around the winterish time mm-hmm. so obviously there's still not as much light and I think I was talking actually to a lot of people about like different lights and how they actually help us kind of getting that energy and stuff. So it's really yes. interesting that you mentioned that. There's a massive difference. So it's kind of really good to hear that as well. Yeah. Last question. Last but not least, I think I know the answer for this one. Because again, <laughs> I know Becca, I've known her for a while. So I think I know the answer, but let's see. A um, trivia category that you'd be really good at and why? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to go with
2: science and technology yes because that's what I write about (laughs) but I'd also say like science fiction would be quite high up there if if that's a trivia category I think it might be or movies would be a close second so yeah yeah you were right
0: (laughs) I was actually gonna say I'll be honest I was actually thinking more science fiction at first Ah, yeah so like You know why? Because I thought something fun as well. So it could be like, actually something a bit weird, it could be science fiction, obviously science technologies make total sense. Um, But yeah, (laughs) I was thinking one of the two. And by the way, somebody said Powerpuff Girls once. So trust me, it can be anything. Anything. (laughs) We allow anything as a Shriva category. So don't you worry about it. and isn't really interesting that we talk about technology because that's all like, what we're gonna talk about like today quite mm. a lot. Because yeah. um, you have a, a baby book coming out, which as a baby book owner, I like to call them baby books. Yes. Um, <laughs> and obviously screen time, which I am, I'm, I'm so excited as well to like kind of share the goodness about it. I am a massive believer in reclaiming your time off. Hence, the name of my book is "Reclaim Your Time Off." So, what I love about it is that. What you talked in here, you really went through so many different aspects of the relationship that we have our own devices, and it really fascinated me because I said I did so much research for my book, and I Mm. love the fact—I mean, as a journalist, you do a lot of research for your book, which Mm. I also we're gonna delve into that a bit. Yeah, but I really find it interesting because it's just you know it's great that we talk about obviously setting your rules overall but then you go deep into the element of responsibility and also body image and the perception of ourselves and actually all the different prompts and things that and the way almost that we interact with our phone that goes beyond as you mentioned especially at the beginning with the preconception that we have about oh we just want to be less on our phone it's not just about that it's also about being mindful of all the different ways that we interact with it so my my probably my first question would be why, why did you want to talk about it? What was the big, you know, if you wanted to say to somebody who hasn't read the book yet, hmm. why would be the main reason why you thought I need to talk about this? This book needs to be out.
2: So there are quite a few other books about how we use technology, and some of them are really great, but they're very much encouraging people to kind of delete things, downgrade things, use things so much less. There's a really great one called How to Break Up with Your Phone, which has like a lot of step-by-step instructions, and I know some people have great results with those, but I also know a lot of people try some of those things and then feel that they just turn back to their devices or they feel like they're missing out on things. They need to use tech for work, that kind of stuff. So I wanted somewhere in the middle between using tech all the time and just feeling like so overwhelmed and like, I've got to do something with kind of deleting and downgrading and turning off loads on the other side so I want something in the middle and yeah and so that's the reason really I wanted something and you know something that spoke to me as well because I've tried I've tried loads of things to try and stop using my phone less and I just I I don't want to give it up and at the same time I kind of can't because I need it so much for work so it's the book I needed as well in many ways yeah
0: that is the one of the most important reasons that people write books, by the way, in case somebody is listening. uh, And I was thinking about when I wrote my books, but especially the second one, I was the same. This is the book that I need the most. And I find that when, as you said, and I love that you were looking for you know, you were looking and we were reading books and you know about books that were talking about the relationship with technology, but there was nothing that maybe was speaking to you exactly for the needs that you had. And I think that's really where you filled that gap. So again, once again, one of the reasons why I'm so excited about it. Can you tell me actually, just because we'd be geeks, again, you probably got already from some of the conversations, we'd be geeks, (laughs) we'd be writers. So I think it's only fair to ask this question. (laughs) Is there any piece of research or any fact or anything that you learned actually from writing the book or doing the research or looking into things that not really shocked you but they're really stuck with you is there anything from the book you were like actually reading there or writing there or looking into there I realized something
2: yeah so quite a few things but the thing that really jumps out at me and it's it's the thing that jumps out at me because it's something I did <laughs> is there's a huge debate about how using our tech affects our mental health And you've probably seen like so much about it. And there are people who think it's terrible for us or people that think it's not that bad. And really, as you might expect, there's all this nuance in the middle. And it's a lot to do with us personally, what we're doing on our devices specific apps, things like that. And um, something I kept coming across was the difference between when you scroll passively and you're not messaging anyone, you're not commenting, and the mental health effects of that compared to when you're active and you are messaging people and you are uploading your own content, stuff like that. Um, And so every time I came across something that was about like negative mental health effects this kind of actively passive thing was always mentioned it was like the passive the more passive you are the worse you'll feel like, and there is a little bit more nuance to it than that but that's kind of what it boiled down to and um that was huge for me because I have I'd say like mild depression and I have a lot of kind of mood swings and when I'm feeling low I can just scroll for hours and that just kind of compounds that feeling and I I, I realized that that just wasn't doing me any favors and I say in the book and, and I don't think the answer is to like, always be actively doing so if I'm in a, if I'm in a bad mood to just be sat there going, Oh, I guess i have to message this person or whatever. It's to just go do something else and try something else. So that was something that really shocked me because I could just see myself in it
0: so much. <laughs> it's so interesting to be able to see these patterns. And I really love that you brought that up. Because as you say, there is a big link with our mental health. Overall. I'm kind of wondering, this is probably beyond the book a tiny bit, even if the book came out obviously like in 2021, but I also kind of have a feeling that a lot of this is also related to the fact that we have been, technology in general, like really connecting with people online a lot more as well. So We have trying to be mimicking or trying to recreate or trying to create some sort of interactions as well online because offline is just literally was almost impossible at times. So it's kind of interesting to see how that really almost reminds us that these online connections will happen, have happened before, will happen in the future. And it's kind of like you know, the best way for us to really continue to do that is to be able to understand what makes us feel good and being able to adapt to that instead of just treating it as, as you say, something that we know is almost like that coping mechanism that actually doesn't make us feel any better. So it's it's a really big shift that I'm seeing and I'm really glad that you brought it up.
2: Yeah, great.
0: When it comes to that as well, I wanted to ask you one more thing that you also talked a lot about, obviously that comparison element and that Mm -hmm. it, it came with different places as well. And I wanted to ask you, why do you find that that really Kind of came out with, again within the research, or just writing the book. Mm. What are some other topics, or some places? I have a couple of ideas, but uh, that you see, like a lot of people tend to get down that rabbit hole. And as you say, it could again go back to that mental health issue that we have, or that kind of like struggles.
2: Yeah, um comparison. I mean, I knew it would be a huge topic for the book, but I didn't realize quite how much like research there would be. There's just yeah, so much, and again, it really depends on the person, their their kind of behavior and mindset first, I think as well. But some of the things that kind of surprised me were, there's one study that kind of said that it's not people that we feel close to, we feel the most comparison effects. But then also, it's not people super far away, like a celebrity, it's people that are kind of on, yeah, on our like periphery, who we feel like we could maybe be like, but things with them are so much better so I guess kind of like I don't like really using the word influencers because it just covers so much but maybe kind of that that's where influencers lie and uh, so that was interesting where in our social sphere the most comparison happens and then um, kind of just learning about the different kinds of comparison um, which I'd never thought about before but you know upward and downward which yeah really, really fascinating and and what that does and you know the, the fact that comparing yourself upward all the time and wanting what someone else has, you can obviously understand how that might make people feel bad about themselves or affect their mental health, but then also downward comparison, like always thinking like that idea of oh the person got what they deserved or something like that it's that's that's not a nice state to be in either so I I think more than anything it was just realizing how many facets there are to that and when we talk about comparison there's just so much because you know I I didn't know that before I started the research for the book so
0: yeah I love that as well is that as it's almost that mimicking of oh I'm I not gonna say mimicking but I'm almost gonna say like Pumping up and even highlighting more some of the things that potentially would happen anyway in an offline setting or you know within mm. our social sphere like acquaintances and now because there's that hyper connection that we have it's really interesting to be able to see these things a bit clearer and actually when you were mentioning that I was kind of nodding because I read about that as well that like when it comes to comparison people that we look up to also the people that were influenced by the most are not our friends or as you say the people that are far beyond is that kind of sphere of influence mm. that goes around the acquaintances so there is really a connection in there whichever feelings kind of you feel about it as well one thing that also again I know it's kind of like a theme in the book itself mm. is um the element there's a couple of different ways where we talk about the element of I like one something about the optimization going to obsession when it comes mm. to I think that was sleep tracking as well and kind of like so I wanted to ask you how do you think we can find a way to use technology. It's a bit of a broader question. (laughs) Use technology to help us in different ways. Like the example of sleep tracking was great and it's just sleep health and stuff, but also not become completely obsessed over the stats, over the numbers, over the things. Because again, we tend to use, especially these days, also our devices to motivate us or to give us insights. And I know that you're a massive lover of that as well, like data, yay, we love data. (laughs) <laughs> but I also know and I love that you mentioned in the book because it's so important that then you know it's kind of finding that fine line between using that as a strength and using it to motivate us but not becoming that obsession and almost kind of like uh, affecting our mood and like dictating our day it's you know it's such
2: a tough one because um I was just kind of I was just writing a piece about that today so I'm really really into this so it's great so firstly I think that there's there's a lot of data to show that people who do, okay, let me, I just want to get this right. People who do kind of look at data and things obsessively and can have like these kind of perfectionist tendencies. And in the book, I kind of even write about like disordered eating, they might be the people that are attracted to using this tech and tracking anyway. So I think that's really important. And I think I definitely fall in that category. Um, So that's important because, you know, There's a study that says people who use a lot of fitness tracking tech and like use a lot of calorie counting apps might have more kind of disordered eating tendencies. But that could be because what I just said, like they're more attracted to tracking things all the time. So it's not that the app or the device has caused it. Um, I think that's really important. And it it came up so much in the book. Um, at one point I had to take some mentions out because it was every like fourth page, but that whole causation, v correlation kind of thing. Yes. So I think that's a really important thing to point out. And then also I do think there's a, a more of a responsibility on the companies to, and I don't know how this would work. I'd love to kind of have a good answer, but I don't, but like to screen for whether someone is kind of at risk or, whether the way they're using the device or the app doesn't seem right, and I, I mean that could be done through kind of usage stats and things like that um, but some of the kind of takeaway advice that i um I, I was writing about today was um to not wear. Kind of wearables so if we're talking about wearables and apps to not wear wearables or use apps all the time which seems so counterintuitive to how they're made because the whole point is you're meant to be able to like wear them all the time and log everything but i really think that just taking a day off now and again can can be really really helpful and just just to prove to yourself that you don't need to like you don't need to be tracking your sleep every night and I have to even tell myself this, because as you said, like, I love seeing data and graphs and all, all the stuff. um, But just knowing that you don't have to do it all the time, I think is, is a huge thing. Yeah. So that would be kind of the immediate advice. And and also um, I mentioned it in the book that if you know you have had an issue, um, like I write in the book about it, my issues with eating, you know, to think twice before you do download that new kind of food tracking app, because, people can recover and have very different experiences but I think it's all worth bearing in mind like wait do I do I need this is this or or can I even ask my partner or my friend to like watch how often I use it or something like that just to just to be aware yeah
0: that's amazing and that's and that's great and Again, it just this little question that really help us make is making more considerable choices. And I yeah. and I love the idea of that causation versus like reaction as well. Mm. It's like the chicken and the egg situation. Yes. Sometimes it's like you know, what what comes really first, which one is the reason for the other? And I think it's so important to mention it because again, it goes especially and I want to just kind of like slightly kind of target obviously the people that usually listen to the show are mainly the creatives are the experts there are a lot of people that are in business that their own business whichever that might look like and that also means that whether it is for communication which now you talk a lot about again I also talk a lot about emails because it's a bit a big topic when it comes to work whether it is a case of marketing yourself whether it's a case of showing up online you you know, they tend to use their phone a lot. And I kind of think like boundaries that become even more blurred because you, you use the, those devices, not just for pleasure or again, for happiness or, or optimization or whatever that might be, but you also start using them also for work in a very heavy way and you kind of rely mm. on them a lot. So what I was kind of wondering when it comes to the work side of things and especially that communication element when it comes to your devices, is there anything that you have seen has been you know like shown there's been happening a lot or something that has been shifting when it comes to that relationship related to work I guess even before the pandemic I'm not sure you know how much of that kind of is related to that as well
2: yeah and I think At least people in my sphere and a a bit of the research in the book, but not quite as much. I found that people are just getting way stricter with boundaries when it comes to uh, everything, you know, email, DMs, things like that. I even saw um, one of the US journalists I follow today on Twitter talking about like having like a DM policy, like I'll only answer DMs that uh, mentioned this, this or this. I can't remember what it was, but it struck me as like, okay, that's someone who gets a lot of DMs and is taking charge of it. I, and I think it's great. and But I also think it's some people, it's just so necessary because people are so burned out that they just have to start setting <laughs> stricter boundaries. And how that looks for different people, I guess is different. Like um, I know a lot of like fellow journalists have to set email kind of auto replies for um, people who work in PR and marketing. So they know like, what they will reply to and what they won't and who who else is best to talk to if they have an agent and things like that. So I think setting up better boundaries generally because people are just so so overwhelmed and and because everything is happening online you know for the past year in more ways than ever before um if we don't do that yeah yeah I'm getting a bit tongue-tied here but yes (laughs) people will feel really burned out if they don't put
0: those kind of things in place yeah I can really see that and yeah. I'm really glad that you mentioned that that the aspect of boundaries especially because I think what I love is that you brought up some really simple examples that are incredibly relatable for I think pretty much like Ninety percent of of people listening, they're like, yeah, that's that's me. And obviously, uh the fact they use the word boundaries again, I cannot stress it enough. is so so important because that's really what it comes down to. There's an, a level of responsibility that we need to take, which I know you talk about a lot as well. When it comes to some of the choices that we make and what we can set up in place, and mm. just to bring you my personal example, yeah, because again, I'm doing a couple of um, little experiments even if the book is written just around some of the stuff that I mentioned, cause I like, let's practice what we preach kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you know, you know that really well, especially when you write something then you're like, okay, I want to, I want to actually kind of use it for myself. Absolutely. Yeah. And so emails was my, my big one. I don't know if it's also one of yours, but it's definitely my, my, my mm. big bad boy. So I like, okay, let, let's try a new, something I talk about in the book, but also a bit differently. And I said, okay, I'm going to do a no email day. Hmm. So, I have what well, you mentioned similar to autoresponders, but there's an autoresponder that says, I'm not in the office. And also, my clients know as well, and everybody and the members and stuff. And I say, on Fridays, I'm just not on my emails. And now, actually, I use it for the book, to be very honest, because the book is coming out at the time yeah. of the recording. So, we've got loads to do. But I just wanted to see what happened. And I realized and I talk about it a lot is that what you mentioned when you said the boundaries at first it feels more comfortable for you by the way than probably for other people because then they set their expectations and they're like okay this is how this person operates fine I know you know at first it might be like oh you're not available and then you're like okay whatever well you're not yeah and I think it's just being able to have that courage almost so like just kind of that confidence of setting them up and then seeing how that works and I found that quite naturally is also, by the way, my signature as well. I say Monday to Thursday emails, Friday, I just set up my automation and it just says, I'll be back on Monday. If you need Mm -hmm. me urgently, then sods. I'm pretty sure it's not as urgent as because it is true. It's just putting things in perspective. I need to have that day to be able to focus on big, important things. So I won't be able to be on my emails. And it just goes back to what you mentioned about boundaries. And I just tried it for myself and I realized that the most... um, a resistance that was there was actually mine and after yeah. that was over I actually managed to reclaim a lot of that day so I was quite chuffed with myself so I just wanted to mention it because I yeah. can definitely hear what you're saying I can see so many people struggling with it and it is also a bit of inner work that needs to be done.
2: I, I, I love that actually and I think that's, that's such a good way to begin and like test the waters of what you can do like taking a whole day that's that's great and I love what you said about courage as well it it is like I I think so many people are people pleasers and are really worried about what's going to happen or you know or maybe rightly so I know people that look at their emails all the time because they are kind of struggling for work or whatever so there are all these like pressures but I think taking one email free day I think that's that's great yeah that's really good.
0: A so little tip of kids. If you want to try and let me know what you think. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to do that. I think it really depends on what where your boundaries lay and where mm. you feel like you're almost overwhelmed. And I found that that was my place because I'm, I'm a lot stricter on Instagram, for example. So it's never been an issue for me. So I think you really need to find where is your little bottomless pit of, yes, yeah. of, of anxiety or whatever that is. <laughs> um, I'm going to have one more, one more question before our last question. And my one more question would be, if somebody wanted to improve their relationship with their devices and technology and i just wanted to do one thing to get started what would be the first thing that you would say they should do think reflect or whatever do about it
2: it's going to seem like a weird answer but i think letting go of the guilt that you're on them too much is actually a really good place to start right now especially right now um because i think actually feeling guilty for being on things all the time all that does is kind of perpetuate it and make and make you pick up things more so you know i think there are plenty of really simple steps that can come after but i think changing your mindset and realizing that like okay especially as the kind of pandemic is still ongoing as things are still uncertain as everyone's kind of mental health has been shaken I'm gonna allow myself to, to, to look at this and to, and to keep scrolling for a bit. Because actually I found that sometimes when I just have that acceptance and kind of awareness that, oh, okay, I've been on this for a while, then I do actually start to make changes and I do actually start thinking, it's just, I think it's just, yeah, it's just, it sounds, it sounds a bit silly, but it is just being aware. And if being aware is accepting you're doing it, then the next step I think is, can be, you know you can take action
0: that's that's amazing and that's literally that kindness so it's really Mm. important that you mention that and it's really the first step is just being kind enough to yourself to be aware and almost you know asking what feelings come up and why am I feeling guilty why am I feeling shameful and what can I learn from that I'm a big believer on that and it's, it's amazing that that's actually the first thing that came up into your mind because I think it's so important because we tend to hatch on to the tips and the hit, the hacks, which there are yeah. plenty of. And then the book has got loads of them as well. So there's definitely not something that's going to be lacking. Yes. But I think yeah. you don't have the, you mentioned that you don't have that motivation then to keep on going if you mm. don't work on your mindset first. So yeah. thank you so much for mentioning that because that was very, very important. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, late, the last question, the hardest of them all. Becca, if you were to have brunch with anyone, dead or alive, who would this person be? Boom. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, I'm panicking. (laughs) Looking around the house, looking for clues.
2: It's right. it's, It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because. If I had seen like my family recently, I wouldn't immediately think of my family, but I'm, I am just thinking of like, of having brunch with my family. That's <laughs> that's the most, that's the most kind of wholesome, but boring answer. But yeah, I just really miss my family. Um, they're not a million miles away, but they are up in Yorkshire. So I haven't seen them. I live in London. So that's my first thought.
0: That's a great one. That's... that's... <laughs> You know, that and that also is the most you know obvious one when it comes to where we're at right now I think it just yeah. reminds of the priorities the little things that we really want to get back to so yeah oh no that's that, that's perfect don't worry it is it's is hard so I know that everything <laughs> and nothing can come up and you can get blank or you can start thinking about you know that weird teacher that you had when you were five five years old so I know that everything comes up so yeah well I was thinking what's what's the cool answer <laughs> <laughs> well you gave me you gave me the most honest and half answer, answer that's yeah. what matters really yeah good (laughs) becca thank you so so much thank you so much for writing this book first and foremost because this is a book that everybody needs and it's so important that we can actually talk about this more and really you know think about it in a in an open way and obviously to say like not a shameful way so thank you for writing this yay thank you so much for having me on Thank thank you for being here and finally what can people find out more about you and baby book probably just beccacaddy.com
2: so b-e-c-c-a-c-a-d-d-y.com i've got everything on there so yeah
0: thank you so much thank you thank you so much for listening don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode if you loved it please take some time to give us five stars on itunes and make sure that you let us know your hahas and takeaways on instagram at creative impact co also you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group.